0: Hi, I'm Catherine Kiridge. I'm a partner in our competition team. I do a lot of work on digitalization, but I'm also Osborne Clark's diversity champion for social diversity. And so tech and inclusion um, is a topic that's really close to my heart. And I'm joined today by Gabrielle Kohlmeyer from Verizon, who is also passionate about this issue. Um, Gabrielle, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Sure, thanks for having me, Catherine. Um, I am associate general counsel at Verizon, focused on antitrust and competition. I lead our competition policy and I also am on our um, public policy and and security um, diversity and inclusion council and lead various organizations. So this is also near and dear to my heart.
0: Fantastic. Um, What do you feel is the aspect of tech inclusion that's most uh, urgent to be addressed?
1: So, I think digital inclusion can mean a lot of things. Um, One thing that my company prioritizes on the issue of tech inclusion is addressing the digital divide. The fact that not everyone, for us here in the U.S., which is our main consumer market, has access to the Internet. But everyone deserves access to affordable, high-quality Internet. We have a $3 billion commitment to help those who need it most and work towards closing that gap. Uh, but for us, it's really not part of our philanthropic arm. It's actually part of our core strategy to build sustainable solutions, um, both for our key stakeholders, um, but, but we view that more broadly as including customers, society, um, you know, not just shareholders, our employees, so that we can drive access to mobility, broadband, cloud services for everyone. For me though, working on competition policy and leading several organizations focusing on gender and intersectional equity, I think a lot about building institutional frameworks that are deliberately inclusive, especially as we have new agencies, regulators, groups, institutions that are all built on um, this idea of data as very central, um, you know, data as part of the core DNA of these new, regulations, agencies, et cetera, and in these industries. So for me um, to have real tech inclusion from that perspective means that you need to have inclusive and representative leadership, inclusive and representative data, inclusive processes that are embedded, documenting continually assessed and improved. Um, But I think ultimately it's a hard question because there's so much urgent need um, and Mm -hmm. I don't really think it's about picking and choosing one group. Um, It's not, you know, inclusion of women, inclusion of socioeconomic status, inclusion um, of people with disabilities. I think that it's recognizing that so many of these vulnerabilities are cross-cutting and have multiple layers of effects. And so I think that we really need to think about these things and address them holistically.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I really like what you say about making that kind of core and embedded. It's not just a sort of diversity program that you're running out separate to your business. It's it's really integrated into everything you're doing. And I think that's so important, isn't it? And um, and you've touched on it, but where do you think that technology can really help to address this kind of inequalities that you've talked about?
1: Yeah, I mean I think technology absolutely has a role to play. Um, Recognizing, of course, that technology is a tool. Um, It can also exacerbate inequalities that kind of goes back to this widening digital divide. But I've seen again and again, I think that we've seen especially over the past year, how technology can create opportunities for small businesses, remote schooling, remote medicine. It's spotlighted injustice, especially over here in the US, Um, like the murder of George Floyd and many others being captured on video and sparking change. Um, opportunities to be connected to volunteer um, opportunities and causes. I recently did a training on how to be an upstander and help in the face of, you know, for us here, there's a big focus on um,
0: Asian-American
1: hatred and harassment, and one of the key ways that they suggested you can help is to document. And that was one of the um, areas where people were most comfortable you know, interjecting themselves mm. or not interjecting themselves, but documenting it with their cell phone. So yeah. that aspect of technology. So I think it makes a really big difference, um, both in terms of getting attention, getting resources, making change. Um, I will also say, uh, because, you know, the gender equity part is very near and dear to my heart, that there's a lot of research, especially in our profession, Catherine, uh, yeah. uh, Law that women are actually less motivated to stay and advance in a job or even in a career due to money, although we should get paid equally, um, but more because they feel connection and purpose. And meaningful connections are so key to professional advancement in most cases. One of the things that um, I recently read, which I found really fascinating, is this research by Yale professor Marissa King that showed that during the pandemic, all of our networks have suffered. They've been deteriorating because of, you know, our lack of being able to be um, in-person, be as connected, but men's networks have actually deteriorated much more than women's because women are better at staying connected through these technological means. Um, So So interesting, you know, interesting way that technology really can move us forward in various
0: directions. Yeah I completely agree and it's been an interesting thing as well the balance of where lots of people really value working remotely because it gives them more time in their personal lives and if you are a woman with caring responsibilities and things then sometimes the technology can open you up to be able to achieve more in your in your day and that's really positive positive. and that's an area of conversation that we're seeing quite a lot at the moment is about the kind of the future post COVID and obviously, as you say, the, the role of techn- technology has been so prevalent in all of that. But how do you think that we kind of make sure that this these conversations we're having around the new use of technology where it can contribute to diversity and inclusion? How do we make sure that it's not the kind of new greenwashing and that there is genuine buy-in from businesses?
1: Yeah, I think You know, one of the things that um, I know we're very focused on is what is this new phase of work going to look like? Because it's not going to look the way that work was pre-pandemic. It's not going to look the way that it has been during um, the pandemic. Uh, But what is that kind of reshaped um, and rethinking around work? And I really like that approach to it because I think for a long time, We're trying to empower in quotes and create equality, quality also air quotes by teaching underrepresented people, especially women, people of color, how to fit into kind of the white man's workplace, not to put it too bluntly. Um, And I really prefer the focus on how do we make our workplaces fit our needs so that we can unleash people's superpowers rather than kind of trying to fit them into certain boxes and I think technology will be really important to that. Mm. I'm not entirely rose colored glasses on that. I think that there are a lot of things that really need to be cared for and we need to be thoughtful about. I think I'm very well aware that it's really hard for a lot of people, especially depending on what stage of your career you're at, what your um, work situation is, if you are able to work from home, if you you know, really need to connect with people more, um but I think that the big point is being very thoughtful and deliberate instead of uh, operating from this default assumption that to work means going into an office from morning until night every day of the week Um, I think the other thing that you know I just think is a given is if you're really serious about this if you want to avoid greenwashing you have to measure it you have to track the metrics so create deliberate opportunities in a deliberate way and then track the
0: metrics method- around yep. that, so that it is actually um, meaningful. It's all about the data, always. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree. And a space where you and I work a lot is obviously in the kind of uh, around regulation, and we're seeing a lot at the moment around the role of regulators in digital, whether it's competition or consumer or data um, protection, and and. Um, do you think there's a role for the regulators in in looking at diversity and inclusion as as we see changing regulation around the digital economy?
1: Oh, Catherine, as you know, I <laughs> <your question.
0: laughs> have a leading question.
1: On, yes, um, having worked on inclusive competition for mm-hmm. several years now, gender inclusive competition, and more broadly, I think regulators have a key role to play. Uh, And I think that there are many different ways that they can do that. I think number one is making sure that they have diverse teams paying attention to what is prioritized in enforcement decisions. And I think having those diverse teams creates a broader perspective that raises issues that will otherwise not necessarily come to the forefront. Um, And making sure that the data that they rely on is inclusive from collection to the type of data, data that's being considered Who's represented in that data, assessing impacts? And I think we have examples where regulators are applying kind of this inclusive lens um, around the world from Sweden to Canada, Mexico, and beyond. Um, and here in the US, we're starting to, you know, have a lot more discussions around that as well. Um, but the countries where that is being applied, you're seeing real effects in terms of decisions and outcome comes. And I find that really exciting. It's kind of like you've been looking at a picture your whole life and then you realize it's only one tiny part of this much bigger richer yeah. industry so to me it's not even about changing standards necessarily I think that you know you can get to discussions around that but I think you can start from a very um, to me it seems a, you know uncontroversial place of we rely on data we want that data to be as Rich as possible and as reflective as possible of the current actual situation, because that leads to better um, decisions and same thing in terms of having um, more diversity in terms of your people, because that leads to richer, better decisions.
0: Yeah. And it it links back, doesn't it, to what you were saying about the workplace and being really mindful about how we do this and not trying to fit into the box that's been there for so long. And it's so exciting. We're seeing new regulation because we've got new markets and what a great opportunity to look back and say, well, we've been doing things within these fixed parameters for such a long time. And is that right? Or could we achieve wider goals by kind of starting again? And as you say, it's such an exciting opportunity. I could talk to you about this all day, obviously, but um, that's been really fantastic, Gabrielle. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll be talking about this again in the future.
1: Thank you, Catherine. This is fun.